Welcome to A Better Way podcast, dedicated to mompreneurs who want to do good and feel good at work, at home, and in life. We're your hosts, Courtney and Danielle, and we get the challenges you're facing because we're living them too. We'll share tangible tips we've learned along the way to help make your life a little easier and we hope a lot more fun. We'll also chat with other moms who are making it happen so we can learn from one another because together we can find a better way. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of A Better Way podcast. Um, You have Courtney here, and today I'm excited to share that I am joined by Amy LaLiberty. Welcome, Amy. Hi, it's good to be here, Courtney. Yeah, so excited to have you on. Um, For our listeners, Amy is a profit-first professional and the owner of My Virtual CFO, which is a finance and bookkeeping firm dedicated to helping business owners manage their numbers without losing their mind, which sounds amazing to me. Um, And having worked in nonprofit and finance for over 16 years before starting her own firm, Amy um, brings with her a lot of extensive experience in helping business owners uncover blind spots build a plan to help course correct those blind spots and ultimately become more profitable. She's also a mom to three school-age kids. And I am so excited to have Amy on the the podcast today because we have not really talked about finances or as a business owner, how you can put yourself in um, a financially fit position. Um, But I think so many of us need it. So I'm so excited to have you, Amy. Um, For those who may not be familiar with you or with my virtual CFO, do you want to just share a little bit more about you and your journey to date? Sure. So um, yeah. So In a nutshell, my goal with working with my clients is to help them create an intentional relationship with their money. And I, while I largely focus on their business financials, I feel like one of these strategic byproducts that happens as a result of our work together is that their personal finances end up taking shape as well, because we have almost like demystified and really reshaped the the mindset around money, the managing of money and and our thoughts around money. And so um, as you shared, I do like the bookkeeping, the CFO, a lot of like the A-line stuff that's super important for whether you are scaling your business or even if you are just maintaining it and just trying to be more strategic and intentional behind it. But the other piece that I add into the whole equation is the mindset work. Because oftentimes that is the part that I think is missing from the conversation of if we are having thoughts that are creating negative feelings around money, it will drive action or inaction. And it might drive action in terms of in ways of overspending uh, versus um, really like sticking to like the spending plan that you had created. And so really trying to make sure that there is intention and the relationship is one where it is like not a relationship where we ignore the finances, but more of a relationship where we are willing to grow and to go through the experience of the, you know, the money journey that happens in life, but in this case with businesses. Yeah. So, okay. That's really interesting to me because when I think of financials or money management, I think of numbers, right? I think of like really like hard and fast, tangible, but there's a mindset around it. So if so, 
a question I want to ask actually is a question I wish I'd asked like a year and a half ago when I first started out in my own business is like, then where do you start? Like if you want to set up a financially fit business, what are the first steps you recommend? Cause I know I have a lot, I've been lucky in my first year and a half of business, but in retrospect, I probably should have done a lot of things differently. So where do you start with clients or with people who are interested in kind of taking the first step? Yeah. So, the, so I think it's like a two-part question. I think I'm going to give you the obvious stuff that would make sense for someone who identifies as like a CFO bookkeeper, which is, I really, truly think creating a money system is just critical. And I think a lot of new business owners get themselves caught in this thought trap of I'm a baby business. I don't have any sales coming in or something as if like they are, they're operating from like where they are in the present moment, rather than looking at themselves in the future, even if the future is at year end and they just need to create, they need some sort of information to hand over to do tax prep. So it's having the money system is the first thing. And in, I'm going to give like very like specific, like action steps. The first thing is not commingling your personal and business financials. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is like, you know, you have a business, create the business account and make sure that everything flows into that separate account and don't mix with your personal finances. The second thing is, is that I know a lot of people are like, oh, I'm just going to use a spreadsheet to track my finances. And I want to encourage you and invite you to think differently about that and to, to get yourself in a bookkeeping system or hire somebody to help like a you QuickBooks? create that system. Like QuickBooks, I recommend, even if you were just starting out, um, I, um, I work with like my six and seven figure clients. I, most of them are, um, in a software called zero, which is another accounting software. Mm -hmm. And then I also, um, have clients who are in a product called wave, which is a free bookkeeping software. But the reason why I prefer either one of those over a spreadsheet is because at some point I know that you didn't get into business to do bookkeeping. And so at (laughs) some point you're going to want to outsource that. And so if you already have the bookkeeping system in place, then it's going to be a lot easier for you to get that to like delegate that and to outsource it. And so once you have those two pieces set up, then I think the second thing would be to really start to examine your money story, which is where we're starting to get the mindset work in. Because what will happen is if you really start to ask really thoughtful questions, like, what do I think about money? What do I think about like creating this business and, you know, the sales part of it and asking yourself very specific questions to start really raising your awareness around where your thoughts are around money is going to be critically important. And here's why, if you have a disconnect or negative feelings around money, then like creating the bookkeeping system, you're going to be met with resistance. The resistance doesn't mean that something has gone terribly wrong. It just means that it's unfamiliar to you Mm -hmm. and that there's a level of discomfort in creating familiarity with something that's unfamiliar. It's not a problem. It's just your awareness coming in and it's your mind going, whoa, whoa, we've never done this before. This looks like it's dangerous and it's not, it's totally fine. So there's just really raising your awareness around that. But then also um, the next part is, is that like creating like financial goals that are both action-based and as well as identity-based. And so the action one is like, you know, whatever it is, I want to create 
$10,000 recurring months, like something like that, that is like, you know, like your smart goals versus your identity goal is become a person who understands their business financials, Mm -hmm. which is more identity based. And so if you're able to take those three things and like marry them together, I feel like the business owner that can do that and welcome the discomfort that will inevitably come with that. I think that that's what really sets you up to go forward and to really start creating a solid foundation in your financials. Yeah, that's really interesting. I never thought of it from that perspective. Um, And I think you bring up a really good point. So business owners, they get into their business and they're not getting into their business to be a bookkeeper, to be the financial expert, but businesses run on money and we live off of money. And so it is an important part. Um, Do you feel like there's a soft spot where people start to outsource that. I'm curious, um, having been through the last year and a half myself and been successful, I do work with tax professionals that I have considered, you know, at what I always have the best intentions of making time to dedicate to it. But I realize that exactly to your point, I have some resistance around it. Like if there's, if push comes to shove and I need to have a day in my calendar, do client work, or if I need to do a day of on my calendar for bookkeeping or financial planning, I'm probably going to pick client work because I'm also associating with more dollars as opposed to that might not actually be the case if I sat down and like looked at my finances. So is there a sweet spot in which you typically recommend that people engage support? Yeah. So for me, it's really, I think where I start to see people really start to say, I need to get this off my plate is at that six figure mark is where I see it like really start to come up. Now, it doesn't mean that like they haven't like, gosh, I wish I didn't have to do this. Like those thoughts will be with you like along the way if it's not something that you enjoy doing. That being said, I feel like there are are ways for you to be able to create the accountability around like getting the books done. Because I also think that sometimes people think this is gonna take forever to do. And if you have the system and process, uh, technology has made it really great and easy for you to do the bookkeeping, to run a report, and then just to answer just simple questions and to do so within like for less than an hour a week. And if you really like are able to systematize and, and really leverage the technology, it will take less time than that for a new business. And what I think that does is that when you get to the point where you're like, I'm ready to hand off my financial tasks, it's not from a place of like, I need to abdicate responsibility because I really just doing this. It's more of, I understand my financials and I'm choosing to outsource this because I know that my time is better spent doing generating revenue, generating activities. And so it's really just trying to create that balance between the two. Um, And so that's where it sees like the $100,000 mark, but then also like creating accountability structure so that before you get to that point, you're, you're staying on top of it in a way that's intentional and is quick so that you're not spending a full day on it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I want to go back to one thing you said earlier before Mm -hmm. I then want to ask you a little bit about profit first selfishly, since I just read Mm -hmm. the book, but, Mm -hmm. um, when you talked about mindset and Mm -hmm. then we just talked now about like how there's things you can be doing even before you get to that six figure mark or above, um, something I found in my own journey and I'm willing to expect other business owners, um, especially mompreneurs. I don't know why I don't mean to make a generalization, but I think that mompreneurs struggle with this is 
it's hard to think about what could be possible. So when you say like planning for the future, I think that we have a lot of negative or self-limiting mindsets around money. And because it hasn't happened yet, we don't think it's possible and we kind of self-sabotage ourselves. So could you dive into that a little bit and like, what are the mindset shifts you work or coach clients through, or what are the limiting beliefs that you feel like you see time and again, because I think awareness is oftentimes the first step. So if we can be aware that this is actually impeding our ability to grow, then we can take action around it. Yeah. And I think that, so, so what, what you're talking about is, is in my head, it's called your self-concept, right? So if you are somebody in your current self-concept right now, you're like, obviously your brain is not having any sort of resistance in like your being has no resistance to whatever it is that you've created up until this moment. And the reason why we know that is because you've created it. So whether you've had discomfort along the way or not, or if you've had just an amazing, great time or not, like what you, the results that you've created up until this moment have been because you have a self-concept that this is like, this is not a problem. What I find that happens, and this is something I see it more in women than in, in men, but I do see it in, in either men or women is the idea of when you're, when you're looking at yourself from a future self perspective, but you're doing so in the present moment from this self-concept, of course, it's hard for you to step into that and to see that in a holistic way, which makes total sense because you haven't created that result. If you had already created that result and stepped into that self-concept of yourself, there would be no sort of like consternation because you're already there. Right. Mm -hmm. But if we just accept the fact that like, here's where we are, here's where we want to be. And we're willing to go through the river of misery to get there, then we're good. Right. But like, and we know that there's like points of checking in. So like when it comes to awareness, I think it's really about like, here's where you are. Here's you want, where you want to be a Google map. And, but along the way, there might be like 20 different ways you can get somewhere. And once one is the quickest way. So that's the way that you decide to step forth on. And then all of a sudden there's like, like a, you know, hundred car pile up and you're like, this is going to take so much longer. I'm going to pivot and go this way. And that's, I think, bridging yourself from where you are now to like your future self, that's where it happens. And it's not something, I think it's so subtle and incremental. And I think what happens, I think in our society is there's this like rush to get there. And I think sometimes it's also from like the online space of like, in 10 months, I was making a million dollars. And I'm like, what? Like, no, no, like you probably did about 10 years worth of work to get you to that moment that then got you from here to here. But like, you don't just jump from here to here in 10 months. Like, that's just, I don't know. I just don't buy that. And, um, but understanding that that's how it, like, that's the trajectory and understanding that the work is very subtle and incremental. It's kind of when you think about, um, I don't know if you had hit recorded before after, but you shared that your son just turned a year old, right? Mm-hmm. If you look at him, if you recall him on the day he was born, and then when he turned a year old, there was 365 days that transpired. And so like those subtle shifts in his like face and like the way that he did things like from like one, from, from just born to one, there's so much that happens. Right. Mm-hmm. 
it's kind of like that with self-concept. It's like such little small pieces, small pieces that happen that all of a sudden, like, poof, like you're there. Well, and I think you said, first of all, that was a beautiful analogy. And it does remind me of one, how far my son has come, but two, how far I have come. But so I needed to acknowledge that before I then highlight that I love that you use the term like river of misery and that you have to go through it because I think that we are so susceptible to thinking that people who are financially successful didn't have to struggle to get there. And exactly to your point that there were pivots that they had to redirect themselves and that it wasn't always easy. I was listening to a podcast. Um, I actually don't, it was one that was like recommended to me on my, um, in Apple podcasts the other day. And it was about like seven myths of being a successful entrepreneur. And it was the one, one of them was that like, it doesn't suck. And they said, you know, these were very successful seven figure entrepreneurs. And they're like, no, it does suck. You're just never seeing the suck. And I think that that's so important, especially because I feel like people get hung up on the financial aspect. And I'm willing to bet that that's probably something you have to combat with people you work with a lot because they assume they're the only ones who don't know how to do it. Because if someone else can make a million dollars, how come I can't do it? And why didn't I do it on the first try? So I think that that's huge acknowledging and like honoring the fact that like, just like anything else in life, it's going to suck at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, and you just need to hang in there. So that's comforting to me Mm -hmm. to some extent. I don't know if it's comforting to other people, but I'm glad that you acknowledge that because I think one of the things we try to do on the show is give people tools to make their journey easier and find a better way. But I think the reality also is that you need to accept that there's also going to be some trials and tribulations along that better way. So that's helpful. Um, One thing though, that I do think is really interesting. And when we first scheduled our chat, I was familiar with profit first, but I hadn't actually didn't die. Excuse me. I cannot talk today. Um, I had not yet dove into the concept. Um, and since we scheduled our chat and then I was chatting with, um, one of my business coaches and she uses profit first in her business. And I picked up the book and I read it and it's very interesting. And I, not going to say it's very dissimilar to how I was mentally organizing things in my mind from a business perspective, but I really like some of the, um, a term to use a term you used in our preamble was scaffolding. Like it gives you a system to work within and it kind of safeguards you. Can you chat a little bit about that? Because you are a profit first professional. You're certified in that. Correct. And I just, I don't think many people have heard of it. And I think it's a really interesting concept, especially if you're a solopreneur. Sure. Okay. So profit first is a book that was written by Mike McCallowitz and essentially it is a cash flow management system. Now, when I say that, I think sometimes people think like, oh, so I do that instead of bookkeeping. Like, no, you have your bookkeeping system and then you, you put your cash flow management system on top of that. So like, again, when it comes to like scaffolding, however you're building your, your structure, like it's, it's on top of that. And essentially what it is, is it describes it as like in a basic implementation, five bank accounts that you use. So you have all the money coming into your income account. And then twice a month, we recommend, and sometimes that varies depending on your business's situation, um, there's allocations that are made to the other four accounts, which are the operating expense account, the profit account, the tax account, and the owner's pay account. And the intention behind this is to then say, if you have this pot of money in the income account that you have, then if you're giving it purpose to all the other four accounts, it addresses a few things. Number one, 
you are a profitable business because you have decided ahead of time that you are allocating a percentage of your income into profit. So that is like, a you know, you are, are moving so much further ahead than a good chunk of business owners who are running businesses at a loss. So you're profitable. So hooray to that. The next thing is that you're addressing the fear about not having money available come tax time if you have a tax bill, because you again are saying, I'm going to put a percentage towards tax savings so that I have that money reserved. The next thing that I also see happen quite a bit is business owners are not paying themselves because what they're doing is spending all their money on like the operating expenses of the business. And so you have an account that you're paying yourself for too. So now you're giving yourself some sort of a compensation. And then whatever is left over goes into that operating expense account. And from there, that's where the work is, is that if you have this amount of money to spend on the operational side of your business, it allows you to get really clever and really intentional behind how you spend the money in the business. Now, this concept is super simple but executing it and maintaining it is where the hard part comes in because temptation comes in. If you've got this pot of money in your tax account and you want to invest in this large mastermind program and you don't have the money in your operating expense account in it, but you see that pot of money, the temptation is I'm just going to take the tax money and pay for it. And it's really then allows you to raise your awareness again around like the decisions that you make. Are you willing to, to, to make the decision and stick to it because you don't want to have the stress of, I don't have enough money saved for taxes. Like that, that thought is no longer on the table if you decide to stick to profit first. And that's why working with someone who has experience with doing profit first implementations and someone who is a profit first professional is so important because they can help coach you through all of those temptations that come about. And then as your business develops and you get further along, there's other ways that you can then sophisticate and strengthen your profit first system. Because let's say that as you, like, you know, that you're going to want to add team, you create other accounts to help you create savings around all of that. So again, it's just this way of, of making decisions about how you're allocating your income that you are making in the business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, I like the aspect. So having read the book, some, the concept that was most interesting to me in that really why my business coach had introduced me to it is because I was growing my team and I was talking about budget and something that's really important to me is that I make sure that if I'm bringing someone on that I'm also paying them fairly I don't want to necessarily hire someone at the lowest rate I want them to be compensated fairly for their time and for their talents but I also need to be mindful of my profit margins and my ability to continue to take care of myself, but also service my clients. And so looking at it holistically, she had said, well, if you implement profit first, you know exactly what you have to operate with it. And then you can make decisions on how you hire, um, who you hire, what you hire for in terms of different tasks for your business. And that's been really helpful. I haven't taken the leap to doing the five different business accounts, although I should. Um, and I think I will. Um, but to me, exactly to your point, it gives you like, it gives you peace of mind. Cause if you know, everything is already accounted for, you can make smarter decisions and less emotional decisions. I feel like, mm -hmm. um, 
I find that I'm an emotional decision maker, but then that leads to another emotional decision I need to make after that. And it, it leads to stress and anxiety that I, I don't need more of. <laughs> so. Right. Well, and I think like one of the things that I find from doing this for the last five years um, is the, the roadblocks to the implementation of profit first are setting up the bank accounts. And the reason why is because there's, I want to set up, so in a basic profit first implementation, you've got your income account, which is checking the operating expenses, checking the owner's pay is, is checking, but I mean, you could make the argument to make that a, a savings account, but like there's five accounts that requires you to go to the bank and to say, I want to set up these accounts, which are, are going to raise questions with them because they're going to be like, why are you doing this? And then, and then it's like, they start questioning. You're trying to to again, like your self-concept is like, you're, you know, I'm a person who makes decisions ahead of time, who allocates my, my income accordingly. And like where you are right now, you've got like maybe one account. And so then it's like, when someone starts saying like, oh, so what are you doing? Da, 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 like you could all like freeze up, like, oh, forget it, whatever. I don't want to do it. And you want to avoid the conversation of having to. So what I encourage my, anyone who wants to implement it is to number one, reach out to your bank and say, I'm interested in setting this up. Is this something that I can do virtually? Especially while there are lots of downsides to having to be in a pandemic. I will say from a banking institution standpoint, I feel like they have figured out a way to make things happen virtually so that you don't have to go into branches. So opening an account could very well be something that they've already figured out a way to do so virtually. So you could turn around and do that and have all of that created. So like just making the call and then just saying, hey, this is what I want to do and just sending that inquiry. And then from there, if all you have to do is they get everything set up and you just need to go in and sign any sort of documentation, I mean, that makes the barrier to entry that much lower because you've like intentionally like said, this is what I'm going to do. I know the process and then I can move forward from there. So I would suggest anyone who finds that the banking setup is the barrier to entry, mm -hmm. just reach out to the bank branch manager for your banking institution and say, I want to set up two checking accounts. Well, yeah, like, let's just pretend that you're a new business, two checking accounts, three savings accounts. Um, how do I do that? What are my next steps to do that? And then like, go from there. I'm interested in, in setting up this out, following up the profit for system, give them a link to Amazon, like, and just say, this is what I'm going to do. Not saying that, like not asking them for permission to do it, just informing them and stepping into that place of confidence as the business owner saying, I am financially responsible. This is how I define that in my business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So interesting. So are most of your clients profit first clients or do you work with a mix of clients? So a good chunk of my clients are implement, have implemented profit first in their businesses in some capacity. Um, I do have some clients that I just do like, you know, regular, like the bookkeeping mm -hmm. and the CFO work for um, as well. But a good chunk of them do because it's it's a process and system that works and it helps them stand in a place of confidence for their businesses. So it's it's a really good process to have. And I'm trying to think out of any of my clients that don't have profit first. The only ones that I don't have that do it, it's something that um, we're looking to implement, but we're just, you know, there's like a list of things that we're trying to check off the list and it just, we haven't gotten to it yet. Not because it's not a priority. We just have other items that we have ranked as higher priorities, but mm -hmm. they all at some point or another end up doing the profit first implementation. 
because they like with the outsource function of what they what, what they do financially, they like the idea of knowing how much money is in the um, mm -hmm. accounts. And so if they're able to, if they don't know necessarily like all the finer details until like we have a meeting, they're able to turn around and see like, okay, I see where the money is. Like I'm, they have a thought, am I going to have enough money for taxes this year? Like, boom, there's the money. Like, okay. Like we have money saved and we're, we're, we're ready to go. We're good. Yeah. It definitely simplifies. I can see where it simplifies all of your business decision-making. Um, absolutely. And so it actually makes your life easier instead of more complicated, even though it might seem that it like, I encourage anyone who's listening, who is not familiar with it to check out the book or check it out online or reach out to Amy, because once you do just like get a little bit more detail around it and you see how it's worked for other businesses, like it is, it, I think it has a potential to be a really, really powerful tool. Um, so that's really helpful. So one thing I want to ask before we wrap up is we always like to ask our guests, like in their experience, what's a better way that they would share with fellow mompreneurs. It could be something that's either worked well for you or something that didn't work well. And you hope nobody in your, um, that has to travel the same path as you has to experience mm -hmm. it. But, um, in your experience being a mom and a business owner and working with other business owners, what would be your better way for fellow mompreneurs? Yeah. So, so I, so here, I feel like I'm, I'm talking about this in real time. And it's, it really comes down to, I am someone who has always prided myself on like the, like, I will work, I will work longer. I will work harder. And like this very much like hustle culture. And I don't, and I don't think it was something that like, I like jumped into. I just, I've always enjoyed what I've done and been passionate about it. And it just sort of worked. And what I have come to realize over the last, I would say like six months is that there is a lot to be learned in the slowdown, which is like, for me, the slowdown brings up a lot of discomfort because it's, I'm not like sitting still is not something that I, that I do well, <laughs> but I'm learning to do, I'm making it familiar. And I think that that's like where I am right now, as it pertains to the business is that I think that there is a lot of messaging out there where it's like, you're constantly like, you have like year one, that's this. And then you double that. And then you double that. And then you double that. And that has been my results over the last, um, five years of my business. And at, at this point, I'm like, the question that's been coming up is like, what is enough and mm -hmm. really answering that question. And I so I that question. yes. And it's, it's not, I don't know if this is necessarily about don't go through this process and don't like, cause I feel like I was on this journey to get to this point, to ask this question, to really to unpack it. But what I will say is that I would invite you to re regardless of where you are on your path right now is to really just sit down and reflect on like that question of like, what is enough and what is enough as it pertains to like financial goals for your business? What is enough in terms of like your like personal life and all of that, and really starting to see what comes up for you, because I feel like that's where I'm seeing for 2022, like the opportunity and invitation for growth. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, I can totally relate. I'm not naturally someone who sits still. Um, I'm trying 
to make 2022 my year where I can find clarity in the stillness. If I can sit still long enough, I think my problem is I haven't gotten past that initial discomfort in order for all the good things to flow in, but, um, I'll be right there with you. So I love Mm -hmm. that recommendation. So, um, Amy for, I'm sure that there's going to be so many listeners who want to connect with you and learn more from you. Um, I know I'm probably going to be reaching out with some profit first questions and possibly some guidance and support in that area. Um, but if anyone does want to follow up with you after today's podcast, where can they find you? And are there any offers that they should keep in mind? Yes. So there's, there's a couple of things. The first thing is, um, my website is my virtual CFO.co. So if you go there, you'll be able to see like all the things, but the, there's two things I want to tell you. The first thing is I will create a URL and I'll send it to you. So you have it in the show notes, Courtney, but I can give um, your listeners a, the first two chapters of profit first as like a digital download. Oh, so awesome. They can at least get like the flavor of that. So they can definitely do that. So I'll, I'll send that to you. But then the second thing is um, after spending the first five years of my business working one-on-one with clients, I am offering a group program. Um, very oh, exciting. Soon. So there is a wait list that for when I uh, announce it, but the, it's called the finance edit. And so everything that I've talked about in terms of like creating the scaffolding and the support, creating the accountability so that if you are starting out and you're not ready to outsource your financials, um, this is the program that will be designed to teach you exactly how I work with six and seven figure business owners to create their bookkeeping systems, how we do the forecasting, how we do profit first implementation. And it's also built in so that we have weekly bookkeeping keeping hours. So that's office hours where you can come on, just do the bookkeeping work. And if something comes up in terms of like, how do I categorize this? Like I will be there to do that. So there's more information to come on that. So if you go to my virtual CFO.co forward slash the finance edit, you'll be able to put your name on the list. And then I will let you know the details of that once it all unfolds. Awesome. Okay. So I will, for our listeners, um, all of that will be in the show notes. Um, and thank you so much, Amy. This has been so much fun. You gave us so many, so many goodies and, um, definitely going to check out those pieces that you're going to share with us. Um, and yeah, I just really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your wealth of knowledge with us. Yeah, it was great to be here. Thanks for having me, Courtney. Of course. Thanks. And to all our listeners, we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to today's episode. For more information from today's chat, including how to reach us, head on over to the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the exciting episodes to come. And please, if you liked what you heard, be sure to leave a rating and review. It's how we can help other busy moms find their better way. Until next time, mom friends.